He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20 The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. This evening we are gathered in your presence. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, you are the guide, you are the leader. We subject ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. Holy Spirit, bring the heart of the Father to your people through this vessel of clay. Thank you for grace, thank you for mercy, and thank you for the unction. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please sit down, sorry. Well, I want to thank God again for the privilege of being here. Amen. In your lovely church. And I believe that it is on the road to becoming a very mega church. Amen. Whatever God says, he is able to do. Amen. So I want to thank God for this opportunity to share his word and to represent the kingdom of heaven. Some people are very excited to be called ambassadors to various countries, but I'm privileged to be an ambassador to heaven and to the most high. Amen. And I also want to thank my husband, who was my president when I was in the university. He was the president of my fellowship and continues to be my pastor and my shepherd. And I thank God for that also. Amen. I want to thank Reverend Diali and his wife for asking me to grace this occasion. I don't take it for granted. Thank you very much. And God bless you. I want to also salute all your leadership, your pastors, and also you who calls this home your church. God bless you. I can just see a spirit of excellence here in everything. And I give God the glory. Amen. I also can see some lady pastors in your congregation. And um, I thank God for giving me such wonderful sisters. I want them to stand up so that you also acknowledge them for me. You dear lady pastors and members, please stand up. Let's acknowledge you. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Amen. Well, yesterday we started on the good woman from Proverbs 31. And we found out, maybe much to our surprise, 
that Proverbs 31 was actually written to a man by his mother. And the mother was saying, this is how to find a good woman. These are the qualities to look out for. As I was meditating upon it, I said it would take the Holy Spirit to know whether the woman brings her food from afar, to know when she wakes up in the night, to know whether she's afraid of certain things and of what. It takes the Spirit of God. And I think that is why in Proverbs 3, 5, the Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Because the Bible has said that Man does not see as God sees, or God does not see as man sees. So, brothers, I think you need to be very spiritual to be able to see a woman and say to yourself that charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And then also, it taught us, the ladies, how to add value to ourselves. Amen. The Bible says, by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. It didn't say a weak man. It said a man. So it means that a whorish woman, I often say, is more powerful than an AK-47. Amen, brothers. Whenever I read Samson's story, I don't quite understand how a woman can lie to you three times and bring Philistines on you three times and then she'll say Samson the Philistines are here then you wake up and snap whatever she had used to tie you and then you go back sleep in that lap brothers and you don't remember again it then makes me know that a woman is a very powerful thing that God has created because through her the whole creation was turned into something else just through one woman. At that time, we were not many. How much more, sisters, when you are many? But thank God that there are also powerful women like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who brought salvation and brought a savior. Amen, sisters. So I pray that you will not be a whorish woman. You see, a whorish woman is different from a whore. A whorish woman is ish. It is around her ish. She may not be a whore complete, but she has the traits of whore ish. And she will become anything to be able to achieve that. You know, even the strange woman said to the man, Oh, I've paid all my sacrifices, I've made peace offerings. So she pays her tithes and everything, and she's in the church. And she even sometimes knows scripture. So, brothers. May the Lord anoint you with wisdom and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am also hoping to be a bit brief today so that you can write your questions and your comments down and then we can go through it for today. Amen. Amen. Is it a good idea? So yesterday we stopped at where we said that the good woman brings her food from afar. Do we remember that? Uh-huh. And that um, we should also bring our food from afar, even if it's spiritual food, 
You don't just sit there and then the spiritual food falls. No. It takes meditation in his word. It takes having a time when it's just you and God. It's all not so easy in our hectic lives. But without it, I think that we will go under because we will not have strength. Marriage is more than the physical. Marriage is more than even the emotional. You need a lot of stamina, spiritual stamina, emotional stamina, mental stamina, and physical stamina. Amen. Amen. To marry. And so I pray that God will give us all that in his own good time. Amen. I will just pick some of the verses because it is long. Proverbs, um, Proverbs 30 is, 31 is long. Verse 15, she rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Amen. Now, some people use that to say, well, she rises up in the night. Way ahead of time. So if you don't wake up on time, you are not a virtuous woman. But when I look at my life, I beg to differ. Because, for instance, on Sunday, I was telling Pastor David, on Sunday, I went, I went to Spintex Highway, our branch there, to preach. And then I had fellowship after because I knew that my husband on Sundays closes at 5 a.m. on Mondays. Do you understand? So I knew that that's how it would be. So I was very relaxed. After eating spring rolls, drinking tea, like I did here yesterday, then I went home. When I went home, my daughters were up. So I had a shower. I chatted with them. And I looked at the watch and I said, oh, it's just 2 o'clock. So I can go to bed now. And then my Lord will come at 5 a.m. As soon as I finished that sentence, the door opened and my husband walked in. And I said, oh, today you've come very early. In fact, too early, but I couldn't add the two. So I just said, you've come very early. And after that, I gave him the light things I could give him and all that. And then we retired. So the next Monday morning, I woke up and around nine or so, I called a pastor who is my husband's friend, but not in a lighthouse. And I said, my husband says, I should ask you whether we can meet at this place at this time. He said, oh, but I thought he would sleep a bit. And I said, oh, yesterday he came early. Eh, Early, how early? I said, 2 a.m. He said, what? 2 a.m.? My wife will not allow it. 2 a.m. and you are saying it's early. I said, it's early. It's three hours earlier than usual. (laughs) So then if my sleeping time is 2 and I wake up at 8, can you call me a lazy woman and tell me that I am not virtuous? Amen. Some of you by 7, after 7 o'clock news, you are gone. (laughs) So even though she rises up While it is yet night, we are not told when she goes to bed. So some of you may say, my mother, she woke up at 5 a.m. Because your mother always slept at 7.38. Amen. So sometimes, you know, we compare things that are not the same. 
Amen. And everybody has a different lifestyle. So all that the Bible is saying is that she is not lazy to oversleep. Amen, ladies. I mean, I once counseled a couple. She said that her husband wakes her by four, so no matter when she slept. Wake up, wake up, when it's five. She wakes up, she sees to the children she has nothing else to do, and she's not allowed to go back to bed. I said, this is slavery. Amen. So when it says she rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens, the reason why she does that is because she's a good planner. Amen. She plans well. Ladies, so if you are a corporate woman, I hear sometimes on radio say, as for me, I'm a corporate woman. When he comes, he will drink tea because all of us, it's your husband too. He's a typical Ashanti. Tea is not even on the list. Then you say he will drink tea. He will not drink tea. And sometimes before they marry you, they'll tell you, oh, we are eat anything. Whatever you cook, I'll eat. Sisters, it's not true. When you marry, you realize that it is not true. So it is the ability to plan ahead. So that your home doesn't go into crisis. You may be very anointed. You may be very called by God. But God expects balance in all these areas of our lives. Amen. So she provides food for her household. I have done counseling where the men come home and there's no food. One pastor said to me, Lady Reverend, I have become a scavenger in my home. Do you understand scavenger? He eats from the bola. He will look for a little banana. A little, and at first when people say that, I would just laugh. I would just say, oh, I mean, they are not serious. It's just for comic relief. But as I have pastored for some time, especially the women of today, I've come to see that it's not easy for the men. Amen. So she provides food for her household. Provision does not always mean that you have to do all the housework. But it means that you are a good supervisor and you are also in charge. Amen. Some of us, we need help, yes. And I love this verse because it says that the woman gives a portion to her maidservants. Which means she has help at home. And it is not unbiblical. Amen. Because for her to be able to do all this. Get up. Go to the merchant ship. Have girdles. Have this. Have. Look. She's not a superwoman. She has some help from somewhere. But she doesn't also abdicate her place and her whole throne. That oh. Because I'm going to the merchant ship. I've dashed my home to you. Amen, ladies. And some of you, brothers, you are not discerning. You go and visit the girl. She has never cooked for you before. I'm not saying you should demand it. But she never offers you anything. Every day, cook a meat pie. Think a bit about it. That, what, what is, what, how come there's nothing being offered? Do you understand? I went to preach at Ashesi University. The young men were telling me, Oh, Lady Reverend, we are modern men. Honestly, food is not an issue. And I said, really, what will you eat? They said, oh, pizza. I said, every day, a shanty boy like you. 
You will eat pizza. You see, when you are in love, you are not realistic sometimes. Amen. So, brothers, how will you know when she wakes up in the night and whether she provides food for her household? If every time she comes to church and you ask her, oh, how is it? How is your mom? Oh, she gives me too much stress. Every day, come and cook this. Come and... It's, it's a sign. It's telling you something. Amen. And if you are in ministry, hospitality is part of the calling. Not because I said it. The Bible says a bishop must be hospitable. And we all know that the hospitality is not from the guys. Even though they lay claim to it. How do I know? Because it started from the time of Abraham. When he saw the three angels and they came. The Bible says he constrained them. Oh, sit down. Then he went into the house and said, Sarah, hurry up. Bring a kid. Giving commands. Abraham. The father of faith. He has many sons here tonight. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So for hospitality and warmth to flow in a home, it will depend on the woman. And we are not all already made. I maintain that we all come from different facets of life. Some of us, our mothers insisted, you do this, you bake meat pie, you do that. You know, my sister is in the Kodesh, and when she saw me at Christmas time, and she said, you know something? I never bake at Christmas because we've baked our lifetime baking already. And I said, why? She said, do you remember Christmas? They'll say, one pound for Mrs. Brown, half pound for Mrs. This. We will bake. So she said, now I always order cakes. I said, oh, me too. I'm also tired. But we were forced to do it. Amen. Not everybody had that upbringing, but everybody can learn and everybody can change and everybody can add some flavor to their lives. Amen. And also she doesn't maltreat her maid servants. She gives them a portion. Some of us think getting help means slavery. And we are so sometimes disrespectful. We speak to people anyhow. So why should I say please to my, my house help? Why should I say, why should I add Mopocho? He should know that I'm the madam. Bring it. Go. Come. Hey. Now the Bible says this woman, she gives a portion. Your Christianity is supposed to show even in how you treat house help. I know the house helps come with their own kettle of fish. Don't even go there. By your part, It's not necessarily to be weak, but to also think about their upkeep. Because if you don't keep, give a portion to your maidens, they also cannot output much to help you. Amen, ladies. So let Christ be seen in all these facets of our lives. Amen. Amen. Some of you, unfortunately, or fortunately, are going to marry pastors. When the church started, Lighthouse could not afford hotels or even guest houses. They may have forgotten today, but as for me, I remember. And most of the guests had to sleep in my house. Everybody. Whether you were from Switzerland or you were from Konongo, you slept in my house because the church could not afford 
to pay, pay hotel bills for the people who came to stay there. Now, it was at that time that I started to appreciate my mother and say, ah, God was preparing me to know how to receive visitors, how to do this, how to do this. But I didn't know that that was what God was preparing me for. Amen. And you may not even know what God has in store for you. But the heart will help you to adjust properly. Amen. But some of us, we can kill ministry because we are not hospitable. Amen. I don't say that open your whole house like a bush market. Everybody can come, go, come, go. That's also disorderly. But I'm saying that the Bible says that let us be careful to entertain strangers. For some have entertained angels unawares. Amen. So hospitality is a very crucial thing. In the life of especially ministry. I didn't say it. God said it. And therefore, it will behove us to rise up early, prepare food, provision, and then food for also the people who help us. Amen. I didn't write the Bible. She gives meat to her household. Sometimes women say they are called. So they leave a sink full of dirty dishes. And they are standing and makola casting out demons. God wants balance in our lives. And it takes a lot of planning. Amen. Amen. And I pray that we will become those type of women. 17. She girdeth her loins with strength. And strengtheneth her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out at night. She layeth her hands to the spindle. And her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Amen. Amen. Before I come to say that she gets her loins with strength, it says she considers her field and she buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. When Ruth was looking, maybe not looking, but when she lost her husband, And she traveled with Naomi back to Bethlehem. She said to Naomi, let me go and glean in the fields so that I can bring something home. A woman must be productive. Amen. It is not always right to think that I'm waiting for Mr. Wright because he will come and look after me. (laughs) He will come and look after you, but there's also something you must also bring to the table. Amen, ladies. Some of us, when we were being brought up, our food was always put on the floor and we sat at a stool and we ate it. So when you marry two, you start to put food on the floor for your husband. And when he asks you, you say that, it's normal. This is how food is eaten. But we must have a spirit of excellence so that we try to learn better than that. One famous man of God told me that he and his wife came from two very different backgrounds and he was not used to sitting anywhere to eat. In fact, in his house, they lay in bed to eat. So when he married, then his wife went to bring a small dining table and he asked her, what is it for? And she said, so that we will sit by it. He found it very strange, but he didn't say much. But as the marriage progressed, he never sat at the table. 
And the wife told me that every time she came to the bedroom to get the food, it would be all over the bed sheet, all over. But because of patience and a little uh, uh, forbearance with one another, today they are one of the most lovely couples. And some of you will even look at it, I want to marry somebody like this great man of God. But whether you can clean when he puts a benkwa in the bed is also another story. Amen. Next time I'll say it with his name after I've sought his permission. So she considers a field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Rebecca was doing something when she was spotted as a wife. She had come to the well to fetch water. Amen. She was busy about something. She was she was contributing some quota to life. But some of us, when we live with our parents, we do nothing. It is very difficult for us to wake up. As soon as we wake up, we dress, we do our makeup, and then we look for our wig, we put it on. Our, our lipstick is red like something, and then we are walking from house to house, visiting friends. That is not productivity. But this woman, she considers a field, and she buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So a woman can all, and this is a, a woman that is being spoken about before Christ. Though. It's not a modern millennium 21st century woman. It's long ago before Christ came, but she still considered a field and she bought it. Amen. She gets her loins with strength. Ladies, without strength, you cannot marry. Even strength in the bedroom, it comes from the grace of God. Amen, somebody. And the fascinating this thing about this verse is that it doesn't say that she, she relies on somebody to give her strength. She does that herself. The amplified verse says she gets herself with strength, spiritual, mental, and physical fitness for her God-given task. And makes her arms strong and firm. We must notice here that things are done by her own personal input. So, without you inputting into your own life, you cannot become a good woman. Amen. It is she herself who gets herself with strength. You need spiritual strength to marry. Amen. Because so many things will come against your marriage. And if you don't have spiritual stamina, you will be knocked off your feet. You need mental strength to marry. Because some of the painful things in marriage is not for the faint-hearted. Amen? Amen. You need mental and emotional muscle to withstand some of the things that come to just hit you. Amen. And then physical strength, ladies... Because if not, every time at 9 p.m., you will tell your husband, I'm tired. Because you didn't know that that was part of the package. Amen. You thought that the way your husband and you, you want to fornicate. When you marry, it won't be a problem. In fact, you sit in the church and you are even very judgmental. Because when they say that, married women, release yourself to your husband. I say, hmm, I think women like that. What's your problem? Is it not love? Why can't they flow? But when you start to come from work, you come and 
Make sure that there's food. After that, the children worry you with their homework. You settle them. After that, you may have something to present at work tomorrow. After that, your sheep in church are calling you. Lady Reverend, I need prayer for this. Lady Reverend, I need you to do this. I just gave birth and there's a problem. Can you please come to the hospital? You say, eh, I have to find time for all this. So you pray with the person on the phone. And then when everything is calm, you wipe the kitchen, you do this. And you come to your bedroom and you say, oh, here comes my bed. Here comes peace. Then when you lie on it, a hand from nowhere <laughs> stretches out and touches you. Who is that? On one occasion, the man said, an armed robber. I am an armed robber. I think marriage has more in store for a woman. And she has to be prepared for it. Amen. Because we say in our marriage counseling that a woman is like a person iron brothers. We are not like you. When you put on a switch, you've come on. Even a Chinese woman, you don't know. You can be interested in her. We are relationship oriented. We have to know the person, connect to the person before we can flow. Unless we are doing it at circle as a job. <laughs> then that's different. But a pressing iron takes time. And then during the day, you haven't sown any seeds. You haven't minded her at all. As you have come home, you are holding your briefcase. You just grant. Hi, good evening. You've gone. So there's no emotional connection to you. But in the night, when she has bathed nicely, then you seem to be asking her that I know you. You haven't known her the whole day. But in the darkness, you know her. Brethren, it ought not to be so. Amen. So God made us differently for a reason. And God says to the brothers, dwell with them according to knowledge. So in our marriage counseling, we have dutiful sex and pleasurable sex. They are different. When you are on duty, you're on duty. Amen, ladies. So ask yourself, am I ready to be disturbed in the night? Or I'm the type that when I sleep, I don't want anything to disturb me. Then you may need to get yourself with strength, both mental and physical. Amen. So sometimes people ask, Lady Reverend, what is the right age to marry? You must be mentally prepared, emotionally prepared, financially prepared, spiritually prepared, and physically prepared. Amen. And so it takes all these facets. So this woman strengthens herself in all these facets. Spiritually, you have to be strong because except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And also you have a lot of Christian surprises. Do you see? You'll be surprised at some of the things in marriage. You don't know yourself and your husband also. So you are all growing. You thought you knew yourself. By marriage, you see that you don't know yourself. And every time change is happening. So like, how do you continue to go along? It takes the strength of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
Not the name of Peter or the name of Kweku, but the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. So if you don't run into it, there will be no help. And some of us don't know how to run into the name of the Lord. When we have issues, we are not used to engaging God, knowing him personally, asking God to solve our problems. We are not like that. We don't walk by faith. God is not part of our solution. So when that happens, spiritually, you are very weak. But what does Jude 21 say? It says, 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. So praying in tongues makes you strong. Amen? Eating the word of God makes you strong. Fellowship makes you strong. And even church work makes you emotionally stable and normal. Because if it were not church work, a lot of people would be in asylum today. Because you don't know what to do. When you close from work, you are there, life has no meaning. You too, you don't do anything in the church. You are not involved in anybody's life. Your life will not be richer. It will be poorer. Amen. Amen. So I pray that like the virtuous woman, we will gird our loins with strength. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, Godliness is physical exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now, I'm running to the end. And then we'll go into the question and answer time. Verse 20 says, she opens her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her filled hands to the needy, whether in body, mind, or spirit. That's what Amplified says. Now, most of us, our hands are by us, and it never stretches out. We will never minister to anybody. We don't think about anybody. We think about me, myself, and I. And there's nothing that we give, even in church, to others. It's not only money, but praying for others, ministering to others, being there for others. For me, I think that God did me an honor in calling me into his ministry so that I'll always have sanity and always have fulfillment and always have something meaningful to do in life. Amen. And you too must stretch out your hands to the needy, not just your, ha- your house and all that concerns you, but you must go beyond yourself and go out there and stretch your hand to the needy. The needy can be spiritually needy, but you, whenever we are doing evangelism, you are not there. Whenever we are doing anything to do with other people, you are not there. You are not interested. But a good woman stretches out her hands to the needy. Knowing other people, ministering to other people, has rather enriched my life more than the lives of even the people who think they have received. And I think it is just God's grace. Amen. 21. She does not fear, she fears not the snow for her family, for all her household are doubly clothed in scarlet. Amen. What does scarlet mean? The Bible says in Hebrews 9:19, for when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of cows and of goats with water 
and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law perched with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Amen. Now, when you look at Joshua 2.18, Joshua said to Rahab, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Amen. The Bible says, she fears not the snow for her family, for all her household are doubly clothed in scarlet. It was the scarlet thread that Joshua used to mark the house of Rahab and to seclude them and to save them. For the virtuous woman, she does not lose out on scarlet. She's doubly clothed in her household. So she cares about the salvation of her home. Amen. Salvation of our children is not automatic. And God said to Moses, when you are going to sprinkle the blood, take a scarlet thread and dip it in the blood with high soap and everything and mark the priests and everybody. So this virtuous woman, she's not afraid of snow for her family because all her household are clothed doubly in scarlet. Scarlet is salvation. Scarlet represents the blood. Scarlet represents the name of the Lord. Scarlet represents the blood of the lamb that sets us free. And this woman was not only concerned about academia for her children, where they reach, how they dress, how they speak good English. She's, she's concerned about the salvation of her household. And she makes sure that they are doubly clothed in scarlet. Amen. The scarlet thread saved Rahab, her brothers, her sisters, her children. Her, it's all listed there. What brought that? The scarlet thread. You too, the scarlet thread that has been dipped in the blood should be brought to the people in your household. Yes, the Bible says you and your household shall be saved. But although it is God's promise, you have to fight for it. Amen? Amen. Sometimes you've brought up your children in the church and you think automatically they will be okay. It's not so. My husband says to me, mommy, the children, because he's now a youth pastor. And he tells me some of the things, even just the testimonies they will come and share. You can't even believe it. <laughs> and then they go to him for one-on-one counseling. He says, sometimes I feel like just fainting. The things... And then he knows that the parents have no idea. Because how will you have an idea? When they see you, they'll code verses. When they see you, they'll turn their iPad to John 16, whatever. But we can make battle on our knees. We should not take it for granted that there will be scarlet in our homes. 
Amen? But we must make battle. Because the enemy is also doing battle. Amen? We must make battle for our household. And this woman, because she knows that they are doubly clothed with scarlet, she does not fear the snow. Snow is an adverse weather condition. Something that is not like summer. You know, so snow is like cold, things are not working, you can't see any plants. And even though she knows that snow will come, she's not afraid because she has set her children and her household in scarlet. We don't have to wait for our children to grow because before we bring the cord of scarlet into our homes, you start from a very tender age. I got born again from the age of nine. And I'm grateful to God for that. And that has given me a burden for the young. I'm continually fighting for the young, the people in high school, fighting to have a program with them. I mean, it costs me more than it benefits me. But I think that having been born again from a young age, I don't think I was an overly good girl as such. But that thing made it difficult for me to go away from the Lord. I tried. Sometimes the boys will wrap me and I want to say yes, but my yes will never come out because the seed of God was in me. And how did that come about? My Sunday school teacher led me to Christ at the age of nine. This woman, you, she knows that her children will go through every normal thing everybody goes through. But when they do, will they know Christ? Will they have the tools for life? Will they know how to face some of these things? The scarlet must be doubly clothed around every member of our family. And it starts with prayer and with asking God for wisdom and asking God to cover them. So that no matter how far people stray, that prayer and that spirit of God and that double scarlet will always bring them back in Jesus' name. Amen. She makes for herself covlets cushions, and rags of tapestry. Her clothing is of linen, pure and fine, of purple, such as that of which the clothing of the priests and the hallowed cloths of the temple were made. Amen. She makes for herself covlets. I was wondering, what does covlet mean? So I went to the Bible, uh, the, the dictionary, and I looked for coverlet. And it says, coverlet is a bedspread, bed cover, cushions, and rags of tapestry. I used to say tapestry. But when I looked up the way, it said tapestry. Curtains, upholstery. Amen. Do you know the strange woman does the same? Proverbs 7 verse 10. And behold, there met him a woman dressed as a harlot and sly and cunning of heart. Verse 16 to 17, what did the strange woman say to the man? I have spread my couch with rugs and cushions of tapestry, with striped sheets of fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. And so, I'm beckoning to you to come. Now, the, 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 the virtuous woman, it says she makes herself coverings of coverlets, according to Amplified, tapestry, as uh, King James says, rags, cushions. So I said, oh, wow. It means that her house is nicely displayed and in order. Amen. Amen. 
And that makes for peace and a good atmosphere in the home. Amen, ladies. And the strange woman says the same thing. It means that investing in coverlets and rugs and cushions sets the house for romantic things to happen. And it says striped, the woman said, I've brought striped bed sheets from Egypt. How come your bed sheet is always on the bed for eight weeks? How come since you married and we gave you a bed sheet, it has never been changed? So you, the spiritual woman, you are not making covlets and cushions, but the strange woman knows that it makes a difference. And she's not telling the man that it makes a difference. Oh, I'm just telling you what I've done at home. I have covlets, I have cushions, I have rags, I have... Some of you, your sitting room furniture, as it was in the beginning... It's now and never shall. And ladies, we never invest in the bedroom. You never say, oh, let me bring some nice bed sheet and bring some coverlets and some cushions to stand by the pillows. And then let me soften the lights and let me use aloes and cinnamon. This strange woman, she said, I have decked my bed with aloes and cinnamon and, and you. The wife, you are not even bathing. So the opposite of aloes and cinnamon is happening in your bedroom. The only time you put on perfume is when you are going out. But that you are at home and you smell good. Never. Every day you smell of a benquan. And then the, the palm oil is doing poplo, poplo. Big stain in your shirt. And the way your husband comes, you are sweating. You say, hmm. It's not easy to be a housewife. Oh. Amen, ladies. And then it goes on to say, her clothing is of linen, pure and fine, and of purple, such as that of which the clothing of the priests and the hallowed cloths of the temple were made. Amen. The woman makes herself look nice. Amen. Some of the brothers, they don't know how we get our hair. It is only when we get home that my husband says that they look and say, are we two boys in the house? <laughs> or we are a lady and a man. Why do you always want to look good when you are going out? But the man that you look good to get, you don't want to look nice at home. For him to also behold. Why? <laughs> she gets herself with purple. Also, although the woman gets herself to look nice, she does not wear compromising clothes. Amen. First Peter 3, 2 to 4. says that I'm reading part of it it's what well three it by your life of holy beauty what matters verse three is not your outer appearance the styling of your hair the jewelry you wear the cut of your clothes but your inner disposition cultivate inner beauty the gentle gracious kind that God delights in amen that's the message bible
cultivate inner beauty. Now, the strange woman in Proverbs 7, the Bible says she was in the tower of a harlot. The woman in Proverbs 31, Amplified says, her, 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 what she uses is like what the priests wear. That is how a godly woman should dress. I didn't say it. Amen? Amen. The Bible said in Proverbs 31, 22, her clothing is of linen, pure and fine, and of purple, such as that of which the clothing of the priests and the hallowed clothes of the temple, clothes of the temple were made. Amen. Priestly, decent garments. We are not seeing that in the church. When we call you to come and give us bread and tea, like Bishop Fabi says, you come and pour breast and tea into the cup. Because the whole breast is coming out. <laughs> and then we are shocked to see you in church. Hey! You don't have to look like a strange woman to be attractive. But like this woman, you can look good. Your rasta, you have kept it for eight weeks. It's smelling in the bed. Your husband is always coughing, sneezing, and he thinks that he's fallen ill. It's the hair. Some of the brothers look shocked. They don't even know it smells. You are always wearing torn things at home. And you say, oh, we are just at home. When the visitors are coming, you are running. Hey, Omobo, you are running. Why don't you look good? So that when they come, that's you. That's just you. Amen. Amen. If you are a woman in ministry, we want to hear you preach the word. We don't want when the brothers are, are listening to you, they don't know where to look because your dress is so bizarre. And you are exposing so many things. So they are looking up and you think they are quoting the Psalms. I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. But the real reason is your dressing. It should not be that way. Amen. Now the last verse. Is in, um, <laughs> 30. Charm and grace are deceptive, and beauty is vain because it is not lasting. That's what Amplified says. But a woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, not the fruit of her husband. Not the fruit of other people. Not the fruit of her degrees, but the fruit of her hands. And let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. Amen. Amen. I believe that the woman in Proverbs 31, the good woman, the reason why she's able to do all this is because she fears the Lord. The Bible says charm is deceitful. The brothers, you are easily charmed. You are easily charmed. <laughs> One lady told me she heard that some unbeliever was disturbing her marriage. Unbeliever woman. So she went to talk to the person's mother about what was happening. And the mother was not at home. Hey, that girl was not at home. So the mother said, oh, 
Let's call her. And then I put her on speaker and we both speak to her. So when the mother called, then she told the girl, Mrs. Soso and so is here. She says you are wearing her marriage. And that you do this and you do that and you do that. So she's here to say that put a stop to it. Then this lady was telling me that it was on speaker. So she heard the girlfriend speak. She says, Sister Mami, her voice was like ice water. Oh, me. They said I've done this. Oh, I just even admire that woman so much. How could I do this? I can't do it. She told me that when she heard the girl's voice, she understood why her husband has been deceived. <laughs> she understood it fully and totally. But when they hung up, then the mother said, Madam, this is the problem with my daughter. That's how she is. She's always breaking people's marriages. And I'm always at her. But this is how she But she said that as soon as I heard her voice, I said, this is charm. Charm is deceitful. Brothers. Amen. Hip 44 is deceitful. We are not saying don't marry a beautiful person. But we are saying that outward beauty alone is not enough. And it will not last the long haul. Amen. Beauty is vain. Amplify says it's not lasting. That is why every year we have a different Miss Ghana. Because beauty doesn't last. Amen. We have a different Miss Universe. Because beauty doesn't last. But a woman who fears the Lord. When you fear God, you consider him in everything. When you are going to a relationship, you say, no, 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 no. This man is married. I fear God. I can't do that. No, 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 no. God says no fornication. I fear God. Not that I don't feel like it. But because of the fear of God, I will put my body under. Amen. The Bible says, make straight paths for your feet. Some of you brothers, crooked paths. Crooked paths. You say, I'm I'm coming to visit you. Then you go in the dark night, like the Bible says in Proverbs about the stranger, in the twilight, in the dark night, you go. You see, I've, I've, I've said this story before. One of our pastors told me that he, he brought a lady to Christ. And then he decided to go on visitation to see her. To share, follow up. Number one, we are advised not to follow up alone. By you, you think you are King Kong, brothers, so you are going. Anyway, when he went, the lady said, come in. This one is the horse's own mouth, and I have witnesses here. Come in, and he went in. When he went, the lady was lying on her bed. Her skirt was only up to her waist. Everything else was off. So as he's telling me, I'm like, what? So what did you do? I said, oh, I continue. The Bible said, I said, you are a fool. With all due respect anointed fool. I couldn't believe it all. And then I asked him, I was sitting with he and his wife, but the wife had gone to get her. I said, does your wife know? Oh, no, 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 no. But I mean, mommy, nothing happened, but I was shocked though. So why, why was she topless? I said, you are coming to ask me? The Bible says, flee youthful lust. 
and you think that you are coming to share a verse. So you are stronger than your body. Engine, I'm sorry to say. Today is a big man of God, but I told him as I, as I thought. I said, so when you were sharing, so I kept looking into the Bible. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. It didn't say negotiate youthful lust. Explain youthful lust. Bible study youthful lust. And we don't make straight paths for our feet. And we end up in great trouble. Brothers, amen. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. And you are busy negotiating. And you are busy calling it in on your phone, iPad, pornography, all sorts of things. Because you are not fleeing. You are welcoming usefulness. And when your marriage cannot stand on any rock, don't blame God. Blame yourself. Amen. Yeah. Lastly, I want to say that most of the type of person you are looking for is in the church. It's in this bridge ministry. The person is here. But you want to go and take something unknown. Unknown. Every Sunday when we have to do marriage vows, we have to say, brother, so-so and so of bridge ministries is getting married to sister, so-so and so of Aflao, whatever ministries. Because you don't want to open your eyes to see God's provision. Look at these nice girls in the choir. They've been in the church for a while. You want to go and bring something strange. I mean, it happens all the time. And then they come to me, Mommy, she doesn't understand anything. When I say we are going here, she says, I said, but what did you expect? I don't get it. And the sisters, so the brothers are here. You have made yourself high falutu. When they speak, you say, he's, Lady Reverend, he's not my type. Every type is in the church. Amen, brother. Hey, you are winking to somebody. I've seen it. I think the preaching is working. So many times, God's provision is around us, but we don't see it. When Hagar went to the wilderness, the Bible says, when God opened her eyes, she saw a well. She was holding a bottle. The water in the bottle ran out. She went to sit somewhere. She was wailing, and she threw the bottle away. That, oh, my water is filling. What am I going to do? And the Bible says, the Lord opened her eyes, and she saw a well right by her. Brothers, the wells are right by you. Sisters, the wells are right by you. But you want already made men. Sisters, amen? You want already made men. Oh, mommy, me, I don't, I'm not uh, the walking typo. I need a man in a car. But before he got a car, do you know where he was? Amen? So open your eyes and see God's provision. It is all around you. And I pray that God will also open your eyes so that you will see. Finding each other is not as mysterious as we make it. But when you have that perfect picture of that movie you've been watching... 
then it becomes a stumbling block. Well, I have a message like that. 25 reasons why some women may not get married. I don't know if it's among the messages they brought. But it's a good message to listen to. And I pray that next year by this time, God would have prepared you like the bride that is adorned and prepared for Christ. And the brothers too, like in Limwell, will open their eyes and see who a good woman is. And Pastor Davis, Pastor Yali will now be begging that, oh, the word is let's reschedule some because there are so many. It will happen practically in the name of Jesus. Some of you say the brother is too thin. Just give him Banku and Ukros too. Now he doesn't, he doesn't have a stable life. You see, the reason why men put on weight when they marry is they don't have a stable life. They are eating yamiyanuya and all sorts of things around. But when they marry, they even forget that they didn't have a stable life. Eh, what are we eating today? Isn't there any other variety? And, and some of them, I knew them. Every day they are buying food here, chibom here, this year, this. But when a woman comes into your life, you begin to eat regularly. Balanced diet. Thank you, brother. Balanced diet. Then you begin to put on weight and look nice. Then the brothers who said no, the sisters who said no, they said, hey, we want to question and say, why are you fine? It's because somebody invested. It's too late, brother. God bless you. Amen. I want to give an interlude whilst you write your questions down. And uh, unless you've done that already, then they'll be collected. But Pastor Yali, in the interim, maybe somebody can sing. Or, so I come back later. Thank you. believe in Christ Jesus how many of us know that it's everything we are everything we want everything we want to be so I just saying thank you to God I just saying thank you to Jesus for this wonderful atmosphere for everything he has done for us for this wonderful conference we are just saying thank you we are giving all, all our gratitude to him it's a song you know just sing along and just give him your thanks Oh, 
Writing your question, there was a basket. Please place it inside.
Those on social media, you can also write your questions. They'll write it and bring it up so that mommy will answer. So those on Facebook Live, just write it. It will be sent. There's a WhatsApp number also. You can send it. It will be written. God for me.
you. Shall we pray? Father, the entrance of your word brings light and gives wisdom to the simple. Grant us the wisdom that comes from above through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Lady Pastor, I'm dating a guy and he always wants me to come and pay him a visit. Not demanding for sex though, but always refuses to come to my place. Should it be encouraged? Do I understand? I'm dating a guy. He always wants me to come and pay him a visit. He's not demanding for sex though, but he always refuses to come to my place. Should it be encouraged? Well, maybe you should find out from him why he doesn't want to visit you at your place but he wants you to go. I think that you should visit him if he's not demanding to sleep with you, but also find out why he doesn't like visiting you. Is it because maybe you stay with your parents and he doesn't want to come there? It shouldn't be the reason because it also gives your parents the opportunity to know him. I hope I have answered. You said you are dating him. So hurry up and marry too on time. Is it right to do chores, cooking, washing, etc., while studying each other? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say so. I think you are going too far. That is my mind. I think you are going too far. But I also think that you can show kindness. Well, before I got married, I was in the university with my husband and... Whenever they came to my room, I gave them food. But I did not single him out to give him food. It was just, now when I look back, I think it was just part of my nature to share food with him, Bishop Saki, Bishop Adi, everybody who came through my room. And it is now, after some years, he's telling the young people that he thinks that thing softens your heart towards a woman. It's different from... 
I want to trap this guy, so I'm going to cook for him. Do you see the difference? Yeah, so I don't think you should become a wife overnight like that. It is just a relationship. You have made yourself, you are washing, uh, ironing, scrubbing. I mean, don't stir up love before it's time. Okay, so let the relationship uh, 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 develop and also become a wife at the right time. Amen. But that doesn't mean you can't be kind. If it comes to your house, you won't give him anything to eat. Your hands are Armstrong. Is it right to marry a man who tells you some pastors tell him he will die when he marries? (laughs) Well, we know from scripture that God reveals to redeem. Amen. When Egypt was going to go through a farming, God gave Pharaoh a dream. But God didn't leave it there that there's going to be farming is the end of you. No. He gave him Joseph. He gave him wisdom to know the way out. Amen. So sometimes something is determined against you. Maybe prophetically. Even um, uh, King Hezekiah, Isaiah came and said, the Lord says you are dying soon. And the Bible says he turned his face toward the wall and he reminded God of all the things he had done. And before Isaiah could reach reach the middle of the forecourt, or the courtyard, God told him, go and tell Hezekiah that I've extended his days. So when God says something, he's not casting iron. He's a God who is rich in mercy. He can turn things around. But if he strongly believes it, then faith comes by hearing. So maybe he's telling you that if you marry him, you will soon become a widow. (laughs) And I also hope it's not just an excuse. Does love exist? Yes. Does love exist? Your question is very big, Pa. Love exists, and God says, God, the Bible says God is love. So love starts from God. God is the consummate lover. God is the ultimate lover. He doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't sin. He doesn't stumble. But human beings will stumble, including you yourself. And so you will all make mistakes, so you have to know that. But from what you are asking, it seems you have suffered some heartache or disappointment. So now you are coming to the place where you are saying love doesn't exist. But don't let your experiences define you. Let the word of God define you. God can give you a man whose love is genuine. Amen. Or maybe a woman. Are you a woman or a man? I don't know. So love does exist, and a bad, uh, a, bad, um, a bad experience should not color everything. May the Lord heal you and give you grace to have a new beginning. Amen. Is there a perfect relationship? No. There's no perfect relationship because, unfortunately, marriage was made in heaven, but it was brought down on earth to be lived here. You see, if God had kept it in heaven, it may have been perfect. He made it in heaven, but he brought it down on earth. And when he brought it down on earth, Adam and Eve fell. And since they are our ancestors, we've all fallen. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So no matter who you marry, my husband says everybody has a left leg. Amen. So there's no perfect person, including you, the person asking the question. You know? So you shouldn't go into marriage 
thinking about the movies you've watched, watched and thinking that the women look like the movies you've watched. If you watch the movies closely, a woman is going to bed, but she's made up. She's wearing lipstick. She's wearing false eyelashes. And she's also wearing false hair. And you say, oh, the women in the movie, they look nice than my wife. Your wife can also become a Hollywood actress. And she will also look nice if she went through all these motions, you know. So we have to be realistic. So there's no perfect relationship because marriage is made for two imperfect people. Amen. But with the grace of God and the mercy of God and the fear of God, you can go a long way and things can work. Amen. You have three questions. What is the right age for marriage? I think I talked about maturity. That you must be mature spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, mentally, and in every way. So if you are mature enough, even the law gives an age for marriage because it is supposing that by that age, you have become a bit more sensible. Okay? So there's no right age as such, but you can marry too early too, where you are so young. I said it on Spintex Highway. There's a lady, her husband always brings, used to bring her to me because she was very young when she married and she's always, any small thing, she will cry and say, I want to go to mama. You know, so when you are like that, every small thing, you want to go to your mother, you are not mature, (laughs) you know, and then also financially, You are not mature. You don't even know how to handle money. You don't know how to earn money. You don't know how to work. You don't know how to keep a home. You don't know how to keep a man. You don't even know how to keep yourself. Then you are immature and you are not ready. So I would say that, yes, the law has an age for marriage. But beyond that, I think that if I had married, let's say, at 21, 22, I don't think I could have coped. Because I don't think I knew a lot at all. And also, I was in school. My husband says that if he had to live his life again, he would marry in medical school. But I would not marry in law school because marriage has more implications for a woman than a man. At least when I was not married and I was studying, nobody came to stand on me that, what am I eating today? Every blessing I gave was just a blessing. It wasn't a duty. Do you understand? So... I'm glad that I didn't marry at 22. But my mother married at 22, and she was mature enough to handle it. So sometimes it's not age, but it's maturity. But usually by 22 now you are in school. Instead of concentrating on your work, you are always bombing because you are thinking about marriage, you know? Thank you for blessing us, and thank our papa and his wife too. Please, what's the ideal period for counseling? Well, in our church it's six months. How long should two people date? Hmm. I think that Christians, especially if they are of a certain young age, should be friends first. But when you are young and you fix your your binoculars in one place, you have decided too quickly. You meet other people. You must be friends with other people It gives you the opportunity to fellowship with different temperaments. And then, as you are going along, you will be narrowing the selection, isn't it? And then eventually, you will 
know who you are going with. But that is not to say, brothers, some of you, you have made yourself hopes givers in the church. You eat this sister's food, you eat that one's, and they all don't know that you are close to all of them. You know, so you are a serial killer. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just friendship. Like in the university, we're all friends. Shop Saki, Shop Adi, my husband, so many other brothers and sisters who were all in the same fellowship. Friends. And then as we were going along, we saw that some people were getting closer than others. Do you understand? And then I also noticed that when we go for all nights, after that we are going for dawn broadcast, and my husband was the president, so he would say, okay, one, two, one, two, everybody and their uh, partner, one, two, one, two. That when it comes to me, he said, you wait. <laughs> one, two, one, two, one, two. And then in the end, he became my follow-up partner. You know? And then after the whole night, don't broadcast, whatever, we will all sit in front of Volta Hall and chat a bit. But as we would chat a bit, we would see that everybody has gone and slept with just the two of us. There was nothing between us, but it started gradually. And then with time... And after waiting on God, we found each other. Amen. Amen. Because he came from a mixed school, so he knew other sisters. And I came from a girls' school. I also knew other brothers because uh, uh, Wesley Girls does a lot with infantipim. So I also knew a lot of brothers and all that. But at the end of the day, you settle knowing that is this person. But if you start too early, I think that you shoot yourself in the foot. Amen. My brothers, it doesn't mean you should be a bee from one flower to the other, one flower to the other. Okay. So how long should two people date? How does one bounce back from a divorce? Because every little sign I see from prospective suitors, I become afraid and I coil in. I think that you must allow God to heal you. Um, sometimes I have known people even in the church who did all they could to keep the marriage and the other partner was bent on going away. And the Bible says that in such a case, the person is not bound because there's nothing you can do. You, the person being left, you are not bound. But yes, you've gone through all this and it is natural that you should be afraid, but it is supernatural that Jesus must be able to set you free because fear is not a mood, it is a spirit. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 8 that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Maybe 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Of power, of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Amen. So God doesn't give you a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit, and it's an evil spirit, and you must deal with it. What does the Bible say? Forgetting what lies behind, you strive for what lies ahead. So you must allow the past to die. Again, I have a message about that. Dead situations. The situation is dead. The person has moved on. He even left you when you were boyfriend and girlfriend or beloved. He has moved on. He has four children and you are still crying. It's a dead situation and you must arise out of the ashes and believe God for a new beginning. Amen. Lady Reverend Adlet, my question is, is it good to marry a lady who is older than you as a man? I have said that. Because I am not greater than God, I don't say things the Bible hasn't said. 
So the Bible doesn't specify on age. Although we know that, generally speaking, women age faster than men. But if a man says, this is the woman I want to marry, and he is a covenant keeper, then he should go ahead. But if you are not a covenant keeper, later you are coming to give us um, problems and tell us that Igbo, then we wouldn't like that. I always say that the famous Bible preacher, Derek Prince, he said God told him to marry a woman 26 years older than him. And he married successfully. And my husband was telling me recently, he was listening to him and Derek Prince said, those who think they've married the younger women, they should come and challenge me in my marriage. You know, and they, they did very well for many years. But when the lady became 80, which meant that the prince was, what, 50, if it's 26 years, 54, no, more than, she was 80. Was he 54? Okay, so then he would preach, go out with her, preach, and then the people would say, oh, you must be a very proud mother of your son. The woman was about to die, but they had problems from that time. In fact, in his autobiography, it is said that when people said that the woman became upset and she began to even drink just before she died, you know, so, but her husband didn't change. His commitment to her didn't change. His love for her didn't change. He didn't go and say, oh, I now see a younger woman, so I'm going. So it's a covenant. So if you can keep that covenant, then... You know, Bishop Fabian told me, showed me a couple in church, and she said that, you know, he said that, you know, these people are eight years, the, the, the man is eight years younger. And when they were going to marry, he was so worried. But now, they've married for so many years, and it's so beautiful. So it's you, the individuals in the marriage, and the reality that later on, they may say that your son preached beautifully. <laughs> and you may not be happy with it, so... Jesus says, before you build a tower, sit down and count the cost. And if you count the cost and you still want to go ahead, then go ahead. Amen. Lady Reverend, there's this guy asking me out. We've been friends for some time. Although he's a nice and lovely guy, I see one weakness in him, which is anger. And when he's angry, all he can do is to talk or type a lot. <laughs> Though most of the things he's saying... He doesn't mean it. He says them out of anger and later comes back to apologize. Sometimes with his anger, he still shows care. I love him, but I can't handle his anger. What do I do? Whatever you are seeing now, multiply by thousands. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Even God who saved us has been trying to change us for the past 15, 20, 30 years. And certain areas, the Holy Spirit has still not been able to penetrate. So what I want to say is, everybody has a weakness. But ask yourself whether you are prepared to live with the weakness. Don't make decisions thinking, when he marries me, the anger will go. When he marries me, it will become better. But ask, it's going to get worse. And ask yourself, whether you can handle it. You know, some people can handle it. And handle it very well. Either when the person is angry, they don't say anything. 
or they don't talk or they will leave the place. Some people will say, I'm a fool. That's why you are going, eh? So, it depends. And you say that even in the anger, he's very caring. So, take it that he has a disability. He's a cripple. He's broken somewhere. He needs a wheelchair. Sometimes he needs an inhaler. But in all of it, he needs help. Are you the one called to bring that help? Ask yourself. Because some people, when they get angry, they can destroy everything around them. They're angry. And some of them can even beat you. So ask yourself, when you say for better, for worse, think about the anger. And if you think you can live with it, ask for us, we will bless you. And God will give you grace. Amen. But he can also do something about his anger. He can seek pastoral care. He can listen to certain, you know, some things are demonic, especially when they compel you because demons compel and they drive you like the madman of Gadara. You know, the demons will drive him to do so many things. And so some people have been set free from the spirit of anger. Some people have been set free from the spirit of adultery. So he can also seek help pastorally, counseling wise when he's angry maybe you shouldn't type or when you are angry don't talk and things like that some people even go for anger management classes so if he's ready to do all this maybe he can work on it but that's my advice the choice lies with you lady reverend please my wife keeps saying the children are her priority i see she never cares about my needs she cooks because of the kids when I complain or talk about it, she says I'm jealous. This has made me feel like I'm not part of the family. I eat outside home. This has broken me down so much. I don't know what to do. She always pretends to outsiders that this is that she she always pretends to outsiders that she does ah, okay this is killing me so i've made my mind not to eat in the home but i'll provide them everything i don't think it is the right thing i think that ladies get surprised about how much attention men want because before we marry we think we are the attention people so one lady walked into my office and said oh, mommy these days, everything is a woman's job. So the men, what do they do in the marriage? <laughs> so we think that we are the ones who like attention. We are the ones who like romance. But I realize that the men like that. I was saying last week that I was listening to this Jimmy Evans. He talks about marriage. He was a strong businesswoman. And... He also had a temper and all that, and then God called him, so now he has a ministry. And he was saying on the television that when I first married Karen, his wife is called Karen, when I first married Karen, I thought that when I come home, she'll stop what she's doing and look at me. But I realized that I wasn't important, so she'll just continue doing what... And I was surprised. Ah, a big man like you, how can you say this? <laughs> then, a few weeks after that, I heard my husband preach, and he was saying that, brothers... You thought that when you come home, everything will stop and all the attention will be on you, eh? It's not so. So I'm like, ah, okay, Jimmy Evans. And now this is what my husband is also saying. So I said, okay, ah. So brothers like attention. 
So nowadays what I do, whether I'm staring something, I'm reading, I'm doing something on my iPad, I stop. And I acknowledge the presence of my king who is coming. Amen. And I say, oh, you are home already. Even last week I spoke ever, I said, Wizzo. Which means welcome. You know, and I see that he is looking out for it. Because I think, oh, I'm sitting with the children, I'm doing this on the iPad, maybe I'm helping this with the homework. So then usually I'll say, oh, hi. But now, since I heard that message, I stop everything I'm doing. Oh, hello, you are home. Hey. Hmm. And it's working. So please talk to your wife about it. And if she teases you that you are jealous, come and see Pastor David. I am sure Pastor David can tell her what it is that a man needs. I think you feel that you are not important in the home. But the solution is not eating out and staying out. It makes it worse. Okay, so stay at home and then look for counsel from somebody she respects. And let the person speak into her life. And I'm sure that she will change. And sometimes too, she's very busy. So sometimes if you helped her a little, maybe she'll be able to invest more in you. Amen. I tell the pastors in my church, they say they are following Bishop. I said, hey, me every morning, my husband lays the bed. Oh, you, you do that. Hey, mommy, no. You see, so there are certain things people do that you don't know. So when he says, hey, his wife saves him. His wife does it. But what does a person also bring to the table? Okay? So maybe you should also look at that. But I pray that things change. You have written your things in a mobile way. God help you. <laughs> Amen. Lady Reverend, please, I want to find out if it's normal for your beloved to leave for a week or more. It doesn't call or check up, but he claims he loves and cares about you. Is that possible? It's not normal. Is it okay if you don't get any gift from your beloved on Val's Day? I find it weird. Yeah, well, this Valentine's Day, my husband took his phone. And then he said to me, ah, this first love wife is saying that she's so disappointed that her beloved didn't give her, didn't remember that it was Valentine's Day and didn't give her a Valentine's Day present. Then my husband said, ah. But Valentine's Day, is it like Christmas? But you and I, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. And I said, that was our time. This is a modern generation that celebrates Valentine's Day. Ah, so because of that, she was sad the whole day. But what is Valentine's Day? You see, so every couple is different. And I don't really celebrate Valentine's Day in my marriage. It just doesn't come up. You know, but that day we drank tea, we ate toast. Normal. For you, maybe it's Valentine's Day. For me, it's normal, you know. But if your beloved likes that, why don't you do that for her? What does it cost you? If you decide to think about the other person instead of yourself, I think it can be easily solved. And also, this thing about this disappearing act of not seeing him for a week, he doesn't call, it's not normal. Somebody who is in love with you would always like to communicate with you. So, query his actions, okay? And open your eyes. How do you tell a lady, how do you tell with a lady who is, how do you, how do you tell with a lady who is so indecisive? Well, indecision is also 
part of some temperaments. We are not able to decide quickly. And maybe you are the opposite. You are very decisive. Again, ask yourself if you can live with it. Because it's not going to change as rapidly as you want. He has a lady friend he's been chatting with for the past years. And all efforts to stop him is not working. Can I also start chatting a man friend afar off just to make him feel jealous? <laughs> when you go and chat the man friend, it can easily become real. And then it will become a problem. So I think that you must tell, I don't know if it's your husband or your beloved, that look, lead us not into temptation. So this thing that you are doing, if I also do it, you will not be happy. So please, let's find a solution to what we are doing. Is it that because the people, are, his friends are ladies, or he spends so much time with them that he deprives you of time with him? If that is it, then you have to talk to him. If all else fails, take it to a higher court, like we do in law. If it fails at the district court, you take it to high court. If it fails at high court, you take it to court of appeal. If it fails at court of appeal, you take it to Supreme Court. Amen. What advice will you give to a brother whose beloved holds on to wrongs, harbors pain, and places a high priority on arguments? <laughs> it's not going to change, so he should advise himself. How can you deal with a wife who has a hardened heart and feels she's always right? I hardly say sorry to my wife because she sometimes doesn't give me the room to do so. Why doesn't she give you room to do so? Is it that when you are saying sorry, then she says, please, you are not sorry, or what? And also, she has a hardened heart. What has happened? Have you done something that, had made, that has made her harden her heart towards you? As much as it's not scriptural, you may have to look at what you do or what you did that led to a hardened heart on her side. She feels she's always right. I think that many times we can learn effective ways of communicating. It's hard work, but when you study, you get to know. Sometimes you get to know that you mustn't answer in the same forum, you see. And sometimes don't answer one and don't answer two. But later, you may be able to bring out the issue. So it depends. And also, if she always feels right... As couples, you must be able to talk to each other. If it's becoming a bit heated, then you leave it. Then you revisit again, a bit cooler. And again, seek higher help to help you. Is it possible for a man to be in love with you and not confess it, but show it in his actions? <laughs> yes, there are some men like that. But go and see your pastor, so that your pastor can ask him, Brother, what are your intentions? And then it won't be coming from you. Please, mommy, is it a desperate move on you as a woman to see your marriage with a man that is yet to see it with you? Ah, okay. You, you can see that there's a man you would like to marry, but he's not seeing it. Well, I think that there are ways of encouraging him to see it without proposing to him. Ruth went to lie at the feet of Boaz. But Naomi said, do not uncover him, only his feet. Amen. And when she did that, Boaz's mind came on her. But she didn't say, Boaz, 
try and decide quickly, yeah, let it be me. But by going to the threshing floor and all that, she encouraged his proposal. Amen. What do you do if the man you are in a relationship with, his mom and elder sister hate you due to a misunderstanding that you are dating her husband? That you are dating the big sister's husband who is just close to you as a big brother. You see, if your actions are causing a problem in somebody's marriage, why don't you just back off? Is it a problem? If you were in those shoes, you would not like it to be done to you. But women don't feel for each other. When it's somebody else, you say he's your big brother and your mother-in-law to be or whatever and your uh, sister-in-law don't believe your relationship. So if it's causing a problem, or is it a problem? I don't understand. Okay? So sister, find somewhere to sit and stop saying that he's your big brother. Amen. Thank you, lady reverend. <laughs> you look so beautiful. Please, how do you handle an unexpected character from your married partner? You talk to him, you pray to God about it. You ask for wisdom to know how to speak to the person. Because Abigail had an impossible husband, but she was able to marry him because she was a woman of good understanding. So when you understand certain things, it helps you and informs you how to behave, how to act, what to say. And I believe that with the wisdom from God and godliness, you'll be able to overcome. What does the Bible say in First Peter? It says that you should win your husband over with your behavior if he will not be won by the word. Amen. Thank you so much, Lady Reverend, for this wonderful message. Please, as a lady who has gone through tough times in a relationship, as a result of a broken home, I always have trust issues, and I'm always suspicious of my partner. Please, how do I get over it? I really want to come out of it. I have a lot of hope for you because you really want to come out of it. God delivers us from our enemies, not our friends. So if this is your enemy, God will help you to overcome it. Trust issues, suspicion issues, sometimes the bottom line is fear. So you have to deal with the spirit of fear. Read verses about fear, meditate on verses about fear, and tell yourself, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Put your name in the verse, speak it over your life, pray about it, break the power of fear and mistrust and suspicion and say, and so what? Whatever will happen should happen. So you become very free and liberated. And then behave like somebody who trusts the person. Don't look at his phone. Don't go through his messages. Don't call him the where are you? And when he tells you, it's all trust issues. So you yourself have seen that it's from your background and your experiences. Now God would like to heal you in all the broken places. He sent forth his word to heal you and to deliver you from all your destruction. We are all broken vessels one way or the other, but God can make us whole again. And I pray that you will, you will, you will listen to messages that address some of these things, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think I've preached some things on fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because whatever you do, you can't control a man. You are not his personal Holy Spirit. Amen, ladies. What he wants to do, he can do. Amen. 
So when you pray, God himself, even God reveals things to you that you haven't gone looking for. Amen. But when it's always a suspicious spirit, trust spirit, mistrust spirit, it doesn't help. So listen to messages that will heal you and deliver you. Amen. What should I do as a wife if my husband said I should not work to support him at home, but his income is not enough to cater for the family? I think that the virtuous woman, although she went to merchant ships, she also had a lot that she did at home. The Bible says her hands hold the distaff. She does uh, coverings of tapestry and all that and get also. There are things you can do from home. And then also your husband should not be hopefully somebody you cannot speak to and say that, oh, it's true that you want me to stay at home, but I think that you need support. He may say he doesn't want the support, but you can see that he needs it. So you need the right words to speak. But I think that from home also, you can do a lot from home without being formally out there. It depends on your qualification, your skills, and the things that you want to do. Okay? So there's a way. And when all, all else fails, seek pastoral help. Take it to the Supreme Court. I'm sure it will work there. Hello, you sometimes think of a lady as virtuous because you don't get enough time with her. Ah. But judge, okay, based on her involvement in church. After closeness, you realize she's quite different. I think it's better to be with a beautiful woman so you can deal with her issues. I don't think you are wiser than the Bible. So what the Bible has said, you must take it as your mantra, as your daily bread, and you must believe it. I agree with you that not all women who are active in church are good wives. And a lot of brothers get deceived by that. Because when you see how, when there's hospitality, she comes to serve, she comes to, it doesn't mean she'll do it for you. It doesn't follow. That is why sometimes you should be friends for a while. You'll go to her house. Maybe what a crash she won't offer you. There are a lot of signs that God will show you if your eyes are open. And then also, you may be able, if she's your friend, to talk about it. That, oh, Charlie, I see you serving in church, but when it comes to me, I don't see the vibes. You know, many brothers think that when a woman is very active in church, it means that she'll be very active at home. No, it's not true. And when you read the temperament books, it says that mostly choleric women, when they get home, they see the household chores as not challenging enough. You see, when it's corporate or ch- they have something to conquer. But cooking stew, there's nothing to conquer in that. So then they become as if they are phlegmatics. You know, they, they, they are not in charge. They are not interested. And the person will say, ah, when I see you at work, you have a... It's temperament and it's a weakness. I was just telling my husband last week and he told me, wow, is it in the book? I said, it's clearly there. Because they can be in the house as if they are uh, uh, phlegmatics, not interested in anything. But when they go out there, the lioness in them comes out. So, I think it's a good observation, but don't think that because she leads prayer meeting, she will be very good in the bedroom. It doesn't follow at all. Okay? So, what is the appropriate age interval between the man and woman to get married? I think I've answered that. Can a woman propose to a man if she loves him? 
<laughs> well, my take is that the Bible says when a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. So I think that is the man who finds. But I think that there's a way the woman can encourage the man. I remember that my husband used to ask me, before he even went to prayer and became beloved, he, used to, he asked me on different occasions, oh, so if I ask you the million dollar question, what will be your answer? Now just look at this. I don't know the million dollar question. Then we'll just go and talk about something. Another time he'll say, hey, so if somebody asked you whether you will marry him, what will you say? And me too, I had answers. So I said, oh, I wonder. And another answer was, I wish I knew. Because I don't like parables. Go straight to the point of doing these parables things. And there's always a way of answering. But not making the person also feel bad. Do you see? And there's a way of encouraging a man. You know and you can see that he's interested in you. So when he calls you, he's talking to you. You too, show some care. Oh, how has your day been? So what did you eat for lunch? Eh, roasted plantain. Hey, but is that feeling? Eh, shouldn't you eat better? And all you want care. And then you are moving on. So there's a way of encouraging what God is doing. Amen. Woman of God, if you have eyes for a woman and you are not confident to say it, what is the appropriate way to go about it? Maybe through parables. <laughs> Maybe through parables that, oh, so have you seen any brother you like? Eh. So what's his name? <laughs> then she will laugh some way. Then you encourage her. But as a man, be a man. Don't be afraid. She bounces you and so what? If she bounces you, you move on. Be bold. Amen. The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. So be bold, brother. Lady Pastor, I want to know how you can build a healthy relationship with female friends without having any negative thoughts or feelings. I think that's very hard for a man. But Philippians 4, 8 tells us what to think about, you know. So, Kenneth Hagin says that you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your head. So some of the thoughts, they are like birds, but they should fly over. They shouldn't make a nest in your head. And until Jesus comes, you will have this battle. Amen. But as you renew your mind, I believe that God will help you. Amen. Facebook, Kofi Randi, Lady Reverend, what's the best age to marry? I think I've answered that. When your wife keeps involving her mom and her entire family in the marriage and constantly compares to her mom about, ev uh, complains to her mom about every little thing that happens in our home and her mom calls her aside calls me aside to abuse me. What should I do? I think that marriage is made up of two people and God. The Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. 
So the Bible says what God has put together, let no man, including yourself, your wife, and the in-laws, put asunder. So sometimes by certain actions, you allow the marriage to be put asunder. So first of all, I would say that on the face of it, because sometimes there are undercurrents, I don't know. But on the face of it, your wife should not be complaining to her mother about you all the time. That is because parents judge with emotions. And everybody thinks their child is better than the other person. It is a natural feeling. So when you do that, after you and your wife or your husband have made up, parents don't forget what you have told them. So it rather drives a wedge and doesn't help the relationship. So I think that you must, you must politely tell your mother-in-law that, you know, it's not like that. And also, if she keeps on like that, abusing you and all that, it will affect your marriage. So with all due respect, you will solve the problems with your wife. So she should allow you to mature in your marriage. And I think your wife must stop that. Always going to talk to her mother, her sisters about the marriage. We say that, talk to your pastor so that your pastor will share the word of God with you. And because your pastor is not your parent, he's likely not to be so biased. Amen. And he's likely to help you. So what you are doing now, Satan doesn't need to break your marriage. You are doing his work for him. And I think that Christians must be careful about that. Bringing a third party in, I believe, often weakens the marriage. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. And he shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. So it is important not to allow people who bring division into your home. Is role-playing in marriage acceptable? And is kissing your partner in public wrong? I said last week at Fintex Highway that I am old school, and I am scripture union. So I do not subscribe to kissing in public. That is my personal view. Because when you start kissing in public, how do I know you will not continue in private? And also, I was brought up in Scripture Union to know that you don't hold each other so intimately. And the reason they gave was that when you start with the face, it will come down to the chest, then the waist, then down below to other things. And because you are so in love, you are not likely to be able to put on the bricks. So the Bible says that temptations are sure to come, but woe to them by whom they come. So it says flee youthful lust. So that is my take on it. But some of it may not be a hard and fast rule. And role playing in marriage, I believe that God says husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and that no man hates his body, but nourishes and cherishes it. So men, you have to nourish your wife and you have to cherish her. Cherish is to hold her in high esteem. Let her not think that you care about all the sisters in the church and she, you know, you don't care about her. She shouldn't come to that place. You should cherish her above all others because when you came to say the vow, you said, forsaking all others, keep thee only unto thee so long as we both shall live. It was your vow and God expects you to keep your vows. Amen. So it says to the man, nourish your wife. Nourish means putting back ingredients, putting back nutrients, putting, putting things in her that will make her blossom. It's important. 
and cherish her. The Bible says so that you may present her to yourself. So whatever you do for your wife, you are doing for yourself. Because a happy wife is a happy home, is a happy husband, is a happy bedroom. Amen. Amen. <laughs> lady pastor, please, what do you advise when a lady traps her boyfriend with pregnancy? Are you Christians? Must the ma- man marry her even when he is not really interested in marriage? This thing that brothers say, I have a problem. You sleep with her, you make her pregnant, then you tell me, Lady Reverend, I'm not interested in her. I think it's not fair. Why, if you are not interested in her, why did you sleep with her? In the first place, a boy slept with a girl, made her pregnant, and then we asked him, will you marry the girl? Oh, at all, she's not my type. At all, that's not my mind at all. So why? If she's not your mind, then leave her alone. But you sleep with her, and then later you say, she's not your type. That's my first take. The second take is that, biblically and legally speaking, pregnancy is not marriage. Amen? So you may make somebody pregnant. I don't mean you may make us in permission, but it may happen. You may make somebody pregnant, and then you don't want to marry her. And you think that it will bring a lot of problems. Nobody can force you to marry her, legally or in any other way. But I think that the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if somebody did that to your daughter, your sister, yourself, would you like it? So in that way, you must think about it. That's why the Bible says, no sleeping together till you marry. Because God knows that all these complications come up. And sisters, don't allow somebody to just take off your skirt indiscriminately. And then later come and say you are not his type. He doesn't want to marry you. And all that. You know, God's word protects you. And it shields you. And men like adventure. They don't like things they've seen already. You see, a a lady I know was asked to be her friend's um, maid of honor. It's a true story. And then, when they were getting ready for the wedding, she saw that, ah, she was asking her friend, so what are the things you have packed to go on honeymoon with? She had not packed any new underwear. She had not packed any new nighty. In fact, for the wedding, my friend told me that she wore some torn brown pants. That's what she wore. So she asked the girl why. So, but we've slept together. I was there to see. You see, so when you do that, you take the excitement and the adventure and the looking forward to something. When a man has seen it all, there's no spark. But when he hasn't seen it, it's like, hey, what is there? You know, she's resisting. She's not that type. Wow, what is there? But when it's like a kiosk, Obia Tobia. Like a lotto kiosk, like I said yesterday, then it's a problem. I think this is the last one. See? Uh huh. So, why do you say she traps you with pregnancy? You should know the repercussions of your actions and what can come out of it. Okay? So, don't say, I'm not interested. It's not fair. But there's no law that says you should marry her by force. Okay? Must the church or the family compel the man? The church may encourage you to marry her. 
because it's not good. It's not a good seed you are sowing. How does God show you who to marry? Is it through visions? This is the last but two. Is it through visions? When I was in Lagon, there was a brother who used to visit me, a nice Christian brother, very nice, very correct, has known God for a long time. But when I was in first year, he was a lecturer. And he used to visit me in my room. But I thought that it was brotherly love continuing. Then I saw that he would bring me a crate of eggs. This, So I said to him that, oh, I hope that all these things that you are bringing me, no, doesn't mean anything because I wouldn't like a relationship like that. Oh, no, it's just brotherly love. And then after that, he invited my roommate and I to where he worked. And we had lunch together. So I thought, oh, my roommate. But I realized that at the lunch, he was feeding me. I said, no, I can't eat on my own. I want to feed you. Anyway. Then I went home. When I went home, a nice, correct brother, he called me. No, he wrote because those days the phones were. He said that, you know, I've had a vision that you are my future wife. I can see the vision. And God has spoken. And this one, I didn't need to pray. I knew the answer. So, I responded that, oh, when God spoke to Mary, or gave, no, when God gave Joseph a vision, he had already spoken to Mary. So, if indeed you are seeing a vision, because God knows it takes two, he will also speak to me. But so far as I'm here, the Lord has not spoken. Do you understand? Because God knows that marriage takes two. So why would he convince Joseph and leave Mary? Or convince Mary? God didn't do that. He sent the angel to Mary. And then after that, he made it his duty to speak to Joseph in a vision. Because he knew that he has to let them both be agreed. You know? So I said that based on this, God has not spoken to me. So you can have your vision, but it takes me to having a vision so that we can marry. So I think that it's not just one man's vision. The other party should also have a vision so that you can run together. Amen. After all, the Bible says, draw me after you and let us run together. Not let us run apart. Premarital sex. You meet a man and he wants sex. You, you, you are a faithful woman. So you say no. It's been like that for so long. This is not God. It's God. It's God. You will be surprised that all these people who you say want to settle with you, majority may not settle with you. Okay? And the Bible says that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So if you are unequally yoked with somebody who doesn't know God, who doesn't love God, or who may even be in church but is not committed, I don't think that it is the right thing. Serving God is hard. Serving God is sacrifice. Serving God can be painful, but that really shows our love and our commitment. And God will always bring you through such places. So tell God that, how come all the people I'm meeting, they want to sleep with me first? Please, by your own power, give me the right person who doesn't have this kind of mind. And I believe that God will answer that prayer. The Bible says, can any two walk together? 
except they be agreed. You may be in the same church, but you are not agreed. You may be in the same church, but you have different visions, different interests, different likes, different things. So the person may be in church, but you are a pastor. The person does not want pastoral in her life at all. In that case, you, the two of you are not agreed. Okay? So agreement is not just we are in the same church, we are both in the choir, we are both into media, we are both into... No. You can have all these similarities but be very, very, very different. So marry somebody whose God is her God, not whose God is your God. Do you understand? If the person's God is your God, it means that she loves God because of you. Therefore, if her love for you wanes, her love for God will also wane. But the person must love God for herself. And then from there, we build on that foundation. I believe that there are many single Christian men and many single Christian women in every church. But the difficulty is how they will meet each other. They are in the church, but they don't see each other. So my husband says, there must be shepherdorial linking. I must be able to call you and say that you and this brother, see how it can work. It's not by force, but it's recommendation. And marriage should be able to work by recommendation. Rebecca never saw Isaac. But when she saw where the man was coming from, the family was the same, which is like the body of Christ. She decided that I will go. That is faith. And marriage takes a lot of faith because you cannot know everything. And we should be able to tell you that, oh, I think you and this sister, you will flow. But it doesn't mean it's compulsory. We are just saying, get to know each other and see what God will do. But don't always say, no, 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 no. I have to see somebody and then get goosebumps and shivers, lady reverend. And then I fall in love. And then I know that. Why? There are various ways of killing a cat. It's the same with relationships. And I pray that when God brings your visitation, you will see. But at the end of the day, God causes us to marry and all that for his kingdom's sake. Not for you, just your happiness. There's nobody in the Old Testament that God called and it was just about his family. Abraham, he was called for a purpose. Not that he just loved Sarah. Jacob, he was called for a purpose. Not that he just loves Rachel and Leah. Isaac, he was called for a purpose. So in the same way, every marriage has a purpose. And I pray that your marriage will lead to the extension of God's kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand to your feet. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Just talk to God. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares about you. Sometimes we feel God has forgotten about us. But I want you personally to go to the throne of grace and find grace to help you in your time of need. Ask God for whatever is on your heart that you want him to do for you. I will never have enough resources but God never runs out of resources. Whether it's marriage, whether it's healing in certain broken places, whether it's fear, whether it's suspicion, whether it's something negative that the Holy Spirit has to work on, Jesus is walking up and down these aisles and he's touching you wherever you are. He said to the, the centurion said to Jesus, just speak a word. You don't need to come there. You don't need to touch me. Just speak a word and I shall be whole. Tonight, I speak wholeness into marriages. 
I speak wholeness into homes. I speak wholeness into broken souls and broken spirits. I speak wholeness into people who have lost their way. People who know that God has called them and because of relationship or marriage cannot stay on the course. I ask for the healing hand of God. I ask for the mercies of God. God is rich in mercy. He never runs out. Speak to him. Call upon me and I will answer. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. This evening, call upon him. He's here to answer and to show you great and mighty things. Oh, those of you who have given up, those of you who have ashes, may the Lord give you beauty. You may not know how, you may not know where, but God is willing to do it again. Speak to him. Open your mouth and speak to him. God hears and God cares. You are here this evening also. You don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You may even be in the church, but you are not serious with God. You are not sure whether you will go to heaven or hell when you die. I cannot just come for a marriage seminar and sit down. I have to give you the opportunity to be involved in the greatest relationship ever. It's God with man coming together. You are here this evening. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not a serious Christian. Lady Reverend, I'm not even sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. But I want to be sure. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you wherever you are standing. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. Forget about who knows you and who thinks what about you. This is between you and your God. Just lift up your hands wherever you are standing and I'll pray with you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. If you've lifted up your hand, do one more thing. Come to me and give me the honor of praying with you so that you can begin a journey with God. Your hand is lifted up, just come. You are in the congregation. You know that your hand should be up. Your heart is beating. But because of the impression of men, you are standing there. We are giving you a last chance. Come to Jesus. Come to the throne of grace so that you may find mercy. You know you should be in front. You know your hands should have gone up. I'm giving you a last opportunity to come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We are waiting for you. Come to Jesus wherever you are standing. Come to Jesus. He wants to make you whole. Please say this prayer after me. And mean it with your whole heart. The angels in heaven are rejoicing because of this step that you have taken. You want to say, dear Jesus, tonight... I come to you just as I am. Take my life and become the Lord and the master of my life. Forgive me for all my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And thank you for raising him from the dead so that I may have eternal life and thank you that by this prayer I have become a child of God my name is written in the Lamb's book of life thank you Jesus for a new beginning Satan listen to me carefully I break every link with you. 
Christ has set me free and I'm free indeed. Amen. Congratulations. Never the same again. God bless you. I want to give you this book to read and to grow in the things of God. Father, thank you for all that you have spoken to us. I pray that it will fall on good soil. Father, repair our lives. Your word says you will, you will repair all the broken walls and you will fill all the breaches. May that be fulfilled in the lives of your people. I leave your blessing here. I leave your presence here. I leave, Lord, your hand upon this church and upon this ministry. And thank you that you are a God who never runs out of resources. And that, Lord, you are able to meet every need. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.